say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Hello and welcome to Pinnacle.com's podcast, Premier League Insights. And this week is game week 34. We're nearly at the end of the season. What a season it's been. So it hasn't actually. I say that. What a season it's been. <laughs> it's not. It really hasn't. Uh, but something though, Jake Oscar thought from Info Goal. Um, we're just going to go through last week's results as ever at the top of this podcast. Before we go through five games... Uh, that have caught our eye from the game week that we are talking about. But last week, we did all right. We did all right again. And you sound so surprised. No, I, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not surprised from your uh, perspective. Um, definitely not, because you talk a lot of sense, Jake. And if this is the first time that you're listening to this podcast, seriously, stick with it and just follow what you say, because um, you've done you've done well. I mean, let's go through it chrono- chronologically. Easy for me to say. Um, Arsenal-Everton, you picked... Everton, Jake, on the Friday, plus 0.5 Asian handicap. Newcastle, that was a very profitable game for you, wasn't it? So It was, yeah. Yeah, the the, the late goal was um, hugely beneficial. We obviously want both teams to score on the podcast. Uh, and then just looking at some of the lines before kickoff, the the sort of disdain towards Newcastle's lineup saw, that, saw the lines drift massively for... Newcastle plus two on the Asian handicap, which was around 1.95. So um, anyone who saw that and listened to us talking about the fact that we thought Newcastle would give Liverpool a decent game, would have hoped we made a bit of money on that. Um, but yeah, main, the main play was both teams to score at odds against around 2.2, which um, yeah, it, it did come in very late, but it came in nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, Joe Willock popping up with that 95th minute equaliser. Um I draw no bet for me. It was 8.75 on Pinnacle. So that was uh, my magical pick of the week. I think I declared it. And also declared Newcastle the top four party poopers, uh, which was also, but there was no odds being offered on that, unfortunately. Uh, (laughs) West Ham nil, Chelsea won. Uh, Jake, you had Chelsea on side there in that game, even though we didn't really know where to go with it. But you definitely, I mean, we did say that as much, but you did have Chelsea on side in some description. Um, So that was interesting. And then Leeds against United was actually probably the one that blew us out of the water a little bit. I think pretty much everybody who had a bet last weekend will have struggled with that one. Nil, nil, not the game that we were expecting. We were expecting goals, goals, goals. And uh, it was just completely not like that, was it? Um, and But then the West Brom game, they conceded late. You said that they probably most likely would. And uh, Jake, you had over 2.5 goals as well. So the punters, hopefully, who've been downloading the Premier League Insights podcasts, get in the edge, get in the edge from your info goal model, which is very reliable. Um, so nice one. Anything else to add from last week before we crack on? No, just the, the, the Leeds United. I know if you rewind it back and you can hear me literally talking myself into back in United and then getting Leeds on side and Norman and Aaron. But I did eventually side with Leeds plus 0.5 on the Asian handicap, which um, obviously landed in what was a difficult game to watch, I think many would say. Um, but yeah, a shout out to Burnley. What a performance that was at Wolves. Pulled themselves well clear of the drop zone now. Chris Wood, um, yeah, just made Wolves' defence look pretty useless and uh, 
Yeah, I think many people had that down as maybe an under 1.5 goal game. Um, yeah, they were. I think that, those bets were over at halftime, weren't they? It wasn't one of my, uh, or one of our top five picks from last week's game week, but Blades, Brighton, I've just got to get that in as well because that <laughs> surprised everybody. I bet there was still some surprising stats though from that game, actually, Jake, in terms of chances created for Brighton. And also, I'm guessing chances created for Sheffield United. I mean, it's almost when a tide has been relegated, you've got no idea what's going to happen. Are they going to play the kids? Are they going to try and put some of the players in the shop window? Are players going to be trying their hardest? Who knows? It's such an odd thing. And sometimes they get some kind of sick pleasure from derailing a side who's actually playing for something as well, don't they? That's a lot of the motivation that we see. So they're going to be really tricky to predict, actually, Sheffield United, aren't they? for the remainder of the season. They aren't actually featuring in our uh, featured games here this week. But um, yeah, very, very interesting. They've actually got Spurs on Sunday, which could be very interesting. Both managerless, of course. And um, just before we actually get going, quick word on the League Cup final. Was that a game that you were engrossed in? Um, For the first half, yeah. Um, It it was just one-way traffic. You know, you want to see cup finals that are competitive. Spurs basically just rolled over um, for the entire match. They barely had a chance. And I think... um, we don't actually cover the League Cup on XG data for InfraGoal, but I've seen elsewhere it was around 3.4 to 0.09 or something along those lines in Manchester City's favour. So just highlighting the level of dominance there, that it was just City being the aggressors and Spurs just clinging on for dear life so to get it to extra time and penalties, which when he looks at, t- at Spurs' team sheet, even more disappointing, uh, the performance, because they've got good players there. Yeah, especially in forward areas you know the question marks around Spurs are defensively not in attack but for some reason they wanted to play to their weakness which is their defence rather than try and win the game 6-5 or something like that which is you know the neutral's dream well this is the Premier League Insights podcast and we are going to start things off with Friday's game Southampton versus Leicester City and as always if you are wondering what on earth we're on about and when I keep referring to the info goal model just head to infogoal.net and you can see the table. You can see all the different predictions and the expected goals and see what Jake is referring to actually as we go along with that. And also just head to pinnacle.com as well because it's got all the freshest English Premier League betting odds as well. Uh, there's also some top four overalls and some relegation odds as well on there. I think relegation is probably near enough done and dusted. But um, in terms of top four, still fairly interesting, I would say. And one of the teams that I think actually is probably nailed on for a top four finish now, but you just never know, is Leicester City. They are away at Southampton. That is the Friday night game kicking off at eight o'clock. Leicester are obviously favourites, 2.190 at pinnacle.com. Southampton have lost the last three games. They're at 3.2 and you can get a draw at 3.940 at pinnacle.com. The info goal model, Jake, uh, suggests that under two and a half goals is one that is certainly in play. Is that something that you would be eyeing up? Potentially, yeah. Um, A little bit wary of Southampton. Um, They're obviously... Well, I don't know. They're still are they still looking over their shoulder? It could be argued that they that they are maybe nervously looking over the shoulder still. Uh, the relegation places, and you know, if if they are, then they'll take this game very seriously. Try and frustrate Leicester. Um, keep it low scoring. These two played a couple of weeks ago in the FA Cup semi final as well, which did finish one 0 It was another very difficult game to watch. Um, 
But yeah, nine points clear of the drop zone. Probably need one more win to survive. But I think they're they're probably safe given Fulham's form. Um, in which case, you know, they 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 might cut loose here and have a go and um, take the game to Leicester. Leicester they themselves have been involved in some quite high scoring matches of late. I think um, four of their last six in all competitions have seen over two and a half goals. The last two in the in the Premier League against bottom half teams, Bristol Palace and, and West Brom, have both gone over two and a half. And and you know we've obviously seen the uh, the rebirth of Kalecci and Acho, who's really come to the fore now for um, for Leicester and, and made you know some cracking finishes. What's his stats looking like, Jake? Because he has been remarkable, and he's seen. We see. I was reading a couple of articles, not particularly statty based just basically saying, and I didn't realise it took him so long to score his first goal when he signed for Leicester. It was something like 14 months after he signed that initial deal to find the back of the net. And so what's changed? Is there anything that's obvious that's changed from your perspective? I mean, I don't know. You might not have the stats off the top of your head. Well, um, looking at it from a big picture perspective, the previous sort of formation that Brendan Rodgers played, which was a effectively a 4-2-3-1, Meant that Vardy was playing up front, and Ianacho, if he was playing, used to be playing in the in the ten position. Now, obviously, it's difficult to get in good scoring positions to keep up play when you've got someone like Vardy stretching the pitch. Now that he's switched to a back three, playing two up front with Ianacho and Vardy, it allows them both to get in good scoring positions, and that's effectively what we've seen from Ianacho. And um, you know, you go back to his Manchester City days. One thing that that Manchester City team did exceptionally well when Ianacho was there was get to the byline, square it, and give him an, an open net tapping from six yards. That's something that he's not been able to to, to do for Leicester over the last um, couple of years since he signed. We're seeing him do that more and more now, though. Uh, the link up between the two, Vardy and Ianacho, has been really, really impressive. And it, you know, it's backed up by the stats. He's averaging 0.55 expected goals per 95 minutes this season. Vardy's at 0.65 and Vardy's, or the majority of Vardy's, is, is made up from penalties as well. So um, he's getting in better scoring positions more regularly, which is why we're seeing him you know, rack up the goals effectively. And he's only three goals behind Jamie Vardy. So um, he could well end up as Leicester's top scorer by the end of the season. Which would be remarkable. And actually, you look at Leicester's running, their final three games, they've got Manchester United away at Old Trafford. They've got the FA Cup final against Chelsea. And then after that, final game, Tottenham at home. So not an easy finish to the season. So I think that Ian Acho hitting a bit of form is exactly the right time for Brendan Rodgers, isn't it? Absolutely the right time from their perspective. So um, since losing 9-0 to Manchester United, this is interesting. Um Southampton have only won two Premier League games. That was all the way back on the 2nd of February. That's a serious dip in form, Jake. Yeah, it goes back a bit further. I mean, they, they, they beat Liverpool, if you remember, and Ralph Harson was crying on the touchline with, you know, <laughs> over-emotion, celebrating the fact that they were in the top six at the time. 15 games have passed since then for Southampton. They picked up seven points, which is the, the lowest total in the Premier League. Um, and... You know, there's been some negative regression, some bad luck in their favour, uh, uh, gone against them, sorry. They've conceded 39 goals in that time, from chances equating to 26.6 expected goals. So they've conceded around 13 more than would be expected. So teams that they've been playing have been exceptionally clinical. But, um, you know, that, that expected goals against per game of 1.78 is still really, really high for um, a team that, at the start of the season anyway, were very, very defensively sound and struggling in, in attack. Um yeah, they, 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 you're just looking at the, the sort of performances they've put in recently in the league, um, you know, against Tottenham, probably weren't expected to win anyway. 
got done by a late penalty. Um, against West Brom, they got completely blown out and conceded three expected goals in that one. Uh, and then their victories have come against Burnley and Sheffield United in that 15-game span. So two teams in the bottom five, six. Uh, Leicester, obviously, completely the opposite end. And, and as you mentioned, they're, they're running anyway. They're, they're, they're fixture. Fixtures um, after this game and the Newcastle game become very, very difficult. Uh, so that means that their chances of a top four finish, I won't say hinge on these kind of games, but a win here would really cement them as, as a top um, uh, yeah, in the top four for next season. Whereas if they lose this game and the Newcastle game, all of a sudden they're looking over their shoulder with some really tough fixtures. So um, yeah, I, I do like Leicester in this game, I've got to say. I think that the price that you said there, 2.19, absolutely more than fair. And, and, that, and that for me is the best bet in this. I think that they're really cooking at the moment. They've got you took a goal handicap in there. Chuck a goal handicap in there, Jake, would you? Um, I'm not too sure if I would. I think that um, the way in which Leicester struggled to break down Crystal Palace, I wouldn't be surprised to see something similar in this game against Southampton. Um, but, you know, let's not forget that Leicester away from home have been exceptional as well this season. 10 wins in 16 away matches and the United and City have picked up more away points this season. Wow. Um, and from an away process perspective, it's more of the same. They're creating 1.6 expected goals for per game, 1.2 again. So they are creating better chances than their opponents on a regular basis when travelling. Um, and Southampton, they're not the worst home team in the league. They've got a positive XG process, which is probably why I would just err on the side of caution when it comes to handicap um, and, and just take lesser to win in the 1x2 market. Well, that, that is that game boxed off here on Premier League Insights Podcast. We're going to move on to Saturday now. Chelsea versus Fulham, half past five. West London derby, of course. Not many people really think about that. I don't think of it as a West London derby at all. Uh, vital Parker derby. They, they, well, yes, quite. There you go. I'm not sure how West Ham would feel about that. Um, or Charlton, indeed. Uh, or Tottenham. <laughs> He's done the round, hasn't he? <laughs> he has, yeah. You make a good point. Many Scott Parker derbies. They could have their own breakaway league, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Scott Parker League. EPL. (laughs) European Parker League. (laughs) I like the sound of that. A vital win for, uh, uh, you know, Chelsea against uh, West Ham last week in one of the other teams that forms part of that league that you're just on about. Um, Really vital win, joking apart there, wasn't it? Um, Chelsea have won four of the last six. They've got a great result away midweek this week. We're actually recording this on Wednesday before City play PSG, so we, we can't really comment too much on that. But the the Chelsea result away in Spain, in the rain, by the way, is apps, was <laughs> which it was, wasn't it? That'll give them a lot of comfort, won't it? That'll be, you know, they, they're heading into next week, I think, as favourites. But this isn't the Champions League podcast. But I suppose that, that frees them up a little bit more for Saturday. They've got a big squad as well, Jake. So they can rotate. So what do we think? Are they going to go all out, Gunko? Um, I don't think, I think there'll be rotation. But like you said, the squad that they've got is sensational. I mean, when uh, Tuesday night they played Werner, they played Pulisic and, and Mount. And if they wanted to, they could play Abraham, Ziyech and Havertz. <laughs> so yeah. we're basically just swapping three internationals for three internationals, if you like. Um, uh, and it's the same in midfield with the, you know, you could, if they wanted to, if he's fit, Kovacic can come in for Kante. Um, you know, the back three, they've got the three other centre-halves that can play if they want to do a full switch. So, yeah, um, they, they're in a position, Chelsea, where they are still 
in the driving seat in that top four race, or they are now anyway after that win over West Ham. Superior goal difference over West Ham, four points clear of Liverpool, but this is a real, this is an ideal game for them to, again, stamp that authority. Um, move even further clear, potentially, given that Liverpool are playing Man United on the Sunday. So, um, yeah, I think that, that Tuchel will have this game down as a must-win for their season. Um, I think if they they, they, could, they could rotate and still beat this Chel- this Fulham team quite comfortably, in my opinion. Um, and obviously, like you said, they're in, a, they're in the driver's seat of the Champions League tie with that away goal. And, and we know that the defensive strengths that they... That they have, um, they're more than capable of holding Real Madrid to to potentially, a, you know, a nil nil draw or something like that at Sanford Bridge. So yeah, I, I think that Chelsea are a fair price. I would probably say there's if you like backing small prices, there is probably value in backing Chelsea at one point when they foot one point four eight at the moment. That to me seems value. I mean, you know, what what just just looking at well, full of a ten percent to win on your info goal model, ten percent. I mean, yeah. they're down and out, aren't they? They're down and out. So you look at a Chelsea side that can rotate. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned some of the rotation. I mean, you still got Giroud, Tammy Abraham, Hudson Odoi, actually. So, that, I mean, look at their squad. It's obscene. So, really, even if he does do a complete overhaul and make eight or nine changes or something ridiculous, they've still got quality to come in against a side that, I mean, frankly, I know in our early podcast together, I was kind of championing Fulham a little bit and almost backing them to try and get out of the mire. But I think that that ship has definitely sailed now. So yeah, that's good value. That is good. Just just from a price perspective, I mean, Chelsea last week went off at 1.72 away at West Ham, who currently sit in the top six. And if you can get them at around 1.48 at home with the home field advantage against Fulham, who are, in the bottom three, that just doesn't add up to me. I would expect them to be closer to 1.3, um, which is what the model's suggesting as well. I mean, the market's got, in a percentage chance, Chelsea is 66%. Infragol's got them at 72%. So you can see the disparity there. So if you are back, like, uh, keen to back a team at a short price, then Chelsea are the one to do it with this week. Um, I would just, again, err on the side of caution with the handicap, just purely because Chelsea, we know, aren't a very high-scoring team. Correct. Um, they, they win a lot of matches by a single goal. Um, and, you know, although Fulham are in desperate need of victory, so might have to throw the kitchen sink at some point, I do think that the way in which Chelsea play, it's more of a controlled manner. It's, it's very controlled, it's very cautious, um, and they basically suffocate with possession, um, in which case I could see this potentially being 1-0 or 2-0, in which case the goal line comes into play. Um, and currently you can get under 2.5 goals, around 1.91. That is, um, to me, a serious runner. And if you wanted to take a little bit more or a little bit of a bigger price, you could take under two goals at 2.75. So if you, that means if there's exactly two goals, you get your stake back. If there's one goal, you get a winner. Um, but yeah, I'd probably go with under two and a half as the best bet for this one. I could quite easily see Chelsea winning 2-0. Um, Fulham, yeah, they, they, they rode the look massively in the last game against Arsenal, conceding nearly three expected goals. Um, and then for some reason, Arsenal got absolute stick for it in the Sky Sports studio afterwards saying that they weren't good enough and that Fulham were unjustly, you know, they deserved more than a point. Um, But, you know, if you're consistently giving up those kind of chances, you're going to get punished eventually. And that's ultimately what happened. And and that's been the the story of Fulham's season, really. Um, Just not creating enough chances in uh, in attack. And defensively, they've looked shaky throughout, um, despite having some good quality operators in midfield. Well, Bobby Cordova-Reed is their top scorer with five goals this season. Uh, that's probably where the problem lies, I think. And, I, you know, I, my, magical, my, magical, <laughs> my magical prediction of the week was going to be 
over three and a half goals was at 3.48. But actually having listened to you there and also then knowing something that I actually already know about the fact that Chelsea don't score that many goals, you also don't see teams rotate and then score loads. It's usually teams that have been settled and everything clicks for a couple of matches where they start you know, scoring loads and loads and loads. So I can't actually see that. So that, I'm going to actually err away from that uh, this time. But yeah, finding the edge in terms of you know a Chelsea win, that's a really good pick actually, isn't it? If you're back in a team with kind of low odds, it's uh, that seems quite a safe one this week, Jake. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and that's just purely based on their defensive data mm-hmm. more than anything for me. Just since Tuchel took over, no team in the Premier League's been better defensively. Yeah. They've allowed 0.57 expected goals against the game. City next best at 0.73. Um but yeah, and then and even Fulham, I mean, they're not like I said that they're not creating a lot. One point one seven XG since Tuchel took over, so a fifteen game span. Um, but defensively, they've, they've marginally improved over that period. One point three seven expected goals against per game. So again, that lends itself to a low scoring contest. Let's move on to Everton against Aston Villa, which is the game that's on after the game we've just been discussing at Goodison Park. Previous meetings, um, one all draw this season. Um, a draw this time around is 3.870. A draw with info goal is actually 26% chance. Everton's victory over Arsenal, Jake, um, keeps them firmly in the chase for a Champions League spot. Remember, they've got a game in hand as well. Everton, Sigurdsson and, and Rodriguez, that axis, lots contributing to what actually looks more and more increasingly, the more I think about it, like an Everton win. Is that the way that you're going? How, how can the punters get in a bit of an edge here? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be going with Everton for this one, personally. Um, we spoke about their numbers quite a lot recently on the podcast, how they've massively overperformed over the course of the season. And um yeah, that, that was on show again against Arsenal. I mean, they created next to nothing and it was a goalkeeping error that gave them the win. Um, albeit defensively, they did look fairly solid. And that's the only thing that you can really take away from this Everton team this season is that at times they have looked fairly good at the back. Um, yeah, Aston Villa, they're, in a, they're a really weird team to, to assess at the moment. Um, minus Jack Grealish, they are not the creative force that, that they can be. Um, and defensively, they they were one of the strongest teams up until uh, a few weeks ago. I think they got the same amount of clean sheets as Manchester City up until the the, um, the home win against Fulham. Um, and since then, they've not kept a clean sheet. So, uh, yeah, really really tricky to assess. Um, but yeah, at at the prices, there's no way I'd be back in Everton at even money. Uh, I think that there is um, a better case to be made for Aston Villa plus 0.5 on the Asian handicap at 1.9, um, and the majority of that thinking is down to Everton's home form in particular. I mean, um, it, it's been frankly shocking this season. Five wins from 16, 19 points in that time. Only Burnley, Brighton, West Brom, Sheffield United and Fulham have collected fewer home points than Everton. So their charge for Europe is solely based around their away performances and their away form and results. And that's reflected in the underlying numbers as well. I mean, based on um, home expected goal performances, um, they're the 16th best home team in the Premier League based on expected goals, which is, um, you know, a staggering stat really for a team that is challenging for Europe. And um, the main issue, like I said, that they've had is 
creating the chances. Uh, 1.4 expected goals, four per game is what they've averaged. But the first two home games, I think they averaged, uh, they created around a combined six expected goals against, I think it was West Brom and mm. someone else. So there's a lot of that, the bulk of their 22.3 expected goals came in the first couple of matches. So really disappointed with them, to be honest. Um, I know they've had to deal with injuries, but the squad or the first team in particular is really, really strong. Um, and I think it'd be a massive disappointment for all Everton fans if they don't manage to, to qualify for some form of European football uh, mm. I don't know if they'll want to qualify for the uh, Europa Conference League which is the third tier of European football no exactly um, but looking around the different leagues there's going to be some big names in there I mean I, just, I was looking at Serie A earlier and Roma are currently occupying that position that's quite yeah. a big name for, for that competition so um, yeah the, the, it's a big game for Everton but I, I can't be having them at the price and I would happily get against them um, I know Aston Villa like I said are a little bit hit and miss um, but themselves, they've, they've been fairly strong away from home. Which well, is, they needed um, a late equaliser last week against West Brom, Jake. So they're not. Yeah, that, that was more dancing. That was more bad luck um, than anything. Uh, they, they weren't great at the back. One point seven seven expected goals they conceded, but they racked up three point one seven expected goals. So uh, they created more than enough to deserve at least a point. So ultimately, the draw was probably the least that they deserved based on the chances that, that were created over the, the course of the 90 minutes. Um, the, the previous matches, you can't really take too much away for, too much from, having mm-hmm. played Man City and Liverpool. Um, a win against Fulham was fully deserved. That second half comeback was excellent. Um, and yeah, pre- prior to that, the draw with Newcastle. So to be honest, they've not really lost matches that you would expect, uh, any matches that you would have not expect them to lose they've lost the teams that you would expect to beat them like even in the cup with Tottenham uh, beating them uh, sorry no that was the league wasn't it Spurs mm. Liverpool City the last three defeats in the league yeah. so all the top six teams and, and Everton to me aren't a top six team and away from home Villa have been quite strong this season seven wins from 16 they've only lost six times uh, 24 points in that time which you know only six teams have collected more away from home so um, yeah I'm surprised that you can get that sort of price around Everton uh, Aston Villa with a plus 0.5 start and I think part of that is probably down to the the um, Everton are playing for something Aston Villa aren't Aston Villa are on yeah. the beach you know yeah, that, yeah. that sort of thought and that, and that to be fair that does drive prices when you get to this time of the year and, and that's why you can sometimes get an edge uh, and sometimes you end up back in a team at extremely or much shorter than you probably would so to conclude on that game if you're listening to this podcast you're back in Everton or no? No, no, I'm taking Villa. Villa You're plus taking 0.5. Villa. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so Villa to avoid defeat is where I'm going. I, I, it might just be a purely a price play on my, uh, in my in my eyes. Um, I would make Everton closer to 2.3 for this rather than even money. So, right. um, yeah, and again, I probably would have Villa plus 0.5 closer to 1.8. So, you know, I, I see the plus, the plus 0.5 at 1.9 uh, as a value bet. Well, there you go. That's where you've heard it here on the Premier League Insights podcast. This is what it's all about. This is why we do. This is why it's the Premier League Insights podcast. Uh, Jake Oscarthorpe providing the goods there on Everton versus Aston Villa. So that's Friday and Saturday ticked off in terms of our featured games. We're now moving on to, well, it could be another majestic day for Steve Bruce on Sunday (laughs) because... um, despite getting stick left, right and centre. I mean, I think even if they get relegated, even if they stay up, he's not going to be there next season. He is not going to be there this, next season. I think he probably knows that as well. So two o'clock, they've got Arsenal at home. Arsenal are favourites, but is this overlooking 
Newcastle's threat because we have seen it in the last few weeks. They can threaten. Big result at the London Stadium. Big result last week. Scoring in the last minute. Top four party poopers. Winning me some money as well. So... What, where do you see this one this week? 30% chance of a Newcastle win. That's that's improved dra- dramatically from last week's chances against Liverpool. I know Liverpool are a better side technically, but you, you look at that and that's uh, they're creeping up. The likelihood of a result is creeping up. Yeah, they're, they're getting better. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I think that they're playing Arsenal at a really good time. Uh, Arsenal obviously will be in the middle of a, a Europa League semi-final. They're in a league position where they can't really qualify for Europe now. So their their sole focus is going to be that Europa League. So it will be a rest and rotate job for Arsenal. And with key players like Aubameyang, Lacazette, etc., out injured, there isn't a lot of um, quality in that backup lineup, if you like. So I think this is a fantastic opportunity for Newcastle, and I'm hugely surprised to see Arsenal so short. Um, similar to what I was talking about with Everton, they're, they're priced around Arsenal to win this game. Um, Shade of odds on 1.93. Again, I'd probably make them 2.1 maybe on this uh, this one. So again, huge value if you wanted a shorter price and a bit of a safer bet, plus 0.5 Asian handicap for Newcastle. That's around 1.98. I will certainly be back in that. I think that's a cracking bet. Um, But if you wanted a bigger price, I would happily put a bit of money on Newcastle to win this. Um, I think that the the attacking intent in which they've shown in recent weeks, um, you know, these sort of odds seem to overlook that. Um, they, yeah, they, they were slightly fortunate to still be in the game against Liverpool at half-time. Liverpool were completely dominant and created tons of chances. But after 60 minutes, Newcastle really came on um, and it sort of hinged on the, the arrival of Callum Wilson. You know, it, Joel, Joel Linton's not really lived up to his price tag. Callum Wilson certainly has. He's, he's you can really... say that again about Joel Linton. Gee. <laughs> I, you know, he, he's playing in a different position at the moment. That, that mm. system they played last week was a, effectively a 5-4-1 with St. Maximan as a striker um, and Joel Linton playing as a left side of a, of a midfield four. So that's not really his position. He's doing yeah. a job for the team and he's been a nuisance with his, his running in behind. But um, he doesn't have the quality of Callum Wilson when it comes to those final final goal scoring touches and, uh, and and obviously he's been played back into fitness that's why he was on the bench last week he should be fully fit now ahead of this game um, and he's a man with a point to prove he's the man that's been forgotten about in the England squad you know the, that, that's now been extended to 26 man squad he'll have one eye on a, on a seat on the plane because he He's been in quite a few of Gareth Southgate's squads over the last few years um, and it's only injury that's probably denied him a chance this time around. He's competing with the likes of Danny Ings who's not exactly in form. Calvert-Lewin who's struggling for goals at the moment Ollie as Watkins well. Watkins as well. Exactly. So he, if he can finish a season really strongly, um, not only with just his goal scoring but everything, his hold up play, his, his clever runs in behind, um, then he can really cement himself as, as potentially England's backup striker for the Euros which um, is obviously a target. A shame that Kalechi Iheanacho is Nigerian and very happily Nigerian <laughs> as well, isn't it? Because he's like your man. If he was English, he'd be coming. He'd definitely be in Gareth Southgate's squad. Um, you just mentioned actually, if you want to back Newcastle for the win, Pinnacle.com is the place to head. Four point zero eight zero. That is where you can find that. And I just think actually, I'm inclined to follow you there. But so, it's, it's you know you're looking at some of the numbers. Um, they point towards it, don't they? They do yeah. point towards it. They're, they are trending in a positive direction, and um, and it, you know if you look after that Brighton defeat, which was admittedly pathetic, and then they had the the international break um, to sort of 
you know, get things together again and, and players coming back fit. I was I was very bullish on them staying up. I think the squad, when it is fully fit, is more than capable. I think there's enough attacking talent there to really cause problems. And if you get that front three fit, Almiron, Callum Wilson, St. Maximan, I think you're in business. And um, uh, it's shown by the results. Tottenham, obviously a decent side. They drew with them. They beat West Ham, who are currently in the top six. And right, they drew yeah. with Liverpool, who are also in the top six. Um, obviously beating Burnley in, in between that as well. But the actual chances that they're creating, the number of chances and the quality of them that they're creating. Um, 3.9 against Spurs in terms of XG, 1.4 against Burnley, 2.8 against West Ham, 1.1 against Liverpool. So, you know, they are creating much more than they were at the start of the season. And I would point out that they're the better attacking performances have come at St. James's in that time, mm. with both the Spurs and West Ham games being at home. Um, and Arsenal, they've become a little bit stronger away from home. I know there was a stigma a few years back about them being so flaky on the road and et cetera, but they have become a little bit more difficult to beat. But as we've said, they'll be in the middle of a, what is a season defining clash with Villarreal in Europa League. Um, Correct. Like the way you put it effectively, you know, you're three matches away from winning the, you know, from playing in the Champions League next season and winning exactly. a trophy. So that's a yeah. far, there's far more lucrative for them, isn't it? To, to be able to do that than, you know, beat Newcastle or, whatever, or tune out a stodgy performance at St. James's. So. Exactly. And they're, they're eight points behind the top six in the league as well, with only five games left. I mean, what are the chances that they're going to turn that around um, and finish in a Europa League spot? So I think it's just going to be all focus on Europa League for, for Arsenal. Uh, and it's a great chance for Newcastle to cement the safety because, you know, that little mini run that they've been on has moved them nine points clear of the drop zone, one more win, and I would say that they're, they're, they're safe. Not quite mathematically, but um, very, very, very close. Uh, so, yeah, I... Two best bets for that. Newcastle to win, 4.08. Newcastle plus 0.5 if you want a safer bet, which is very close to even money. And I think that that is a, a fantastic, fantastic bet if you want a, a max stake. Sky Sports must be licking their lips because Manchester United-Liverpool is at half past four. <laughs> is that That's not the yearly game that gets built up and ends nil-nil, is it? Yeah, I, I, well, that's exactly what I was alluding <laughs> to, mate. <laughs> I'll beat you to it, sorry. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's just going to be, you know, and they're going to have all the footage of, you know, various goals and various bust-ups and head-to-heads and whatever and the classic sort of montage of Carragher and Neville having a bit of verbals and them two sat in the studio. You know, you, you just know what it's going to be like. Not much to choose, actually, between the pair, Jake, when I look at these. Manchester United, 2.610. A draw is 3.65 and Liverpool are at 2.25. So, where do you see this? Where does the value lie? Who has got the edge in this game? And where can our punters look to? Because I find it quite difficult to pick anything out of the hat. Yeah, me too. Um, the, these two teams this season have been very evenly matched on the numbers perspective. Um, and also, you've got the factor in that United are in the middle of a Europa League semi-final, just like Arsenal and, um, you know, We've seen them get knocked out in pretty much every semi-final they've been in over the last couple of years under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So they'll want to progress to the final at the very least of that competition. And they're in a comfortable position in the Premier League where um, they don't have to think about the, the top four. That's pretty much done and dusted. They're 12 points clear of West Ham with five games left. Um, and, you know, the, the, only, the only caveat to that is that this is Man United-Liverpool and there's probably nothing more that Man United would want than to stop Liverpool from getting into the top four. And they've got a cracking right. chance to do it here. Um if they beat them, I would imagine if Chelsea win against Fulham, as we expect, that that'll probably be curtains for Liverpool's top four hopes. Um, 
But I, I think that there will be a bit of rest and rotation for Manchester United in this game. We saw it last week against Leeds. The likes of Pogba left on the bench. Cavani didn't feature. Um, and, you know, it is must win for Liverpool. But we have continued to see a little bit of a flakiness at the back, conceding good, you know, relatively good chances um, to the likes of Leeds and Newcastle. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very much on the fence with this one. I think that recent meetings have tended to be draws. Yeah. Um, I know we had the, the FA Cup game, which finished 3-2 to Man United. That was a little bit of a of a road contest compared to recent recent head-to-heads where quite a few have gone under 2.5. I think ever since Solskjaer took over, these fe- these matches have, in the league have featured um, under 2.5 goals and three of them have been draws, one win for Liverpool. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go with what you said there. I think the draw is a real runner in this. I think um, that they- 25% chance of a draw. So how does that stand up with the odds? Yeah, that they, I think the odds have currently got the draw a little bit uh, bigger than that, a bit shorter. Sorry, so um, it's probably not a value bet, but I think I just, I, I, the model itself doesn't factor in the the different situations that teams are in, and um, yeah. and the fact that you know there is a potential for United to really um, rotate and shut up shot, which we've seen that they're very capable of. And, and you only have to look at their, re- their record this season against fellow top six teams and how many no nulls they've had. I think they've played nine matches against top six teams or big, big six teams, if you like. Um, and I think six or seven of them have been goalless draws. Mm. So, um, yeah, that, that for me anyway, I, I think that this could, the goal, the goalless draw is a serious runner in this one. Um, United, obviously. Struggling for goals at the minute um, and had a fair few nil-nil draws recently. You know, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, Leeds last week, spring to mind. Um, 4.25 yeah, uh, is the odds on pinnacle.com for that. So if you are thinking that, and do you know, we did joke just at the start there saying it's a Sky Sports build-up where they build up to it all weekend and it turns out in a nil-nil draw. We said that being facetious, but actually we're now saying it could be a realistic thing. And actually it's a pretty good price, that 4.25 especially when you factor in all the things that like you've mentioned, you know, the, the rotations and the sort of lack of form and that kind of thing. I think it's um, it's probably quite a decent bet to to go on that one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And as as I said, Man United in top six clashes, Mm. nil nil with Chelsea, nil nil with Man City, nil nil with Arsenal, nil nil with Chelsea in the, in the return. Um, Nil nil with Liverpool in the, in the reverse game. They can shut it down when they want to. They have that capability. They put a double pivot in front of the back four, Fred McTominay, Fred Matic, um, and really shut the game down and try and play on the counter-attack. And um, Although this is must-win for Liverpool, um, and they'll probably play on the front foot at some point in this game and really try and break down United and potentially offer space in the counter-attack, I, I do think that this is going to be quite a low-scoring match. And mm. um, you know, I, when, low, when you see low-scoring matches, a draw... Price immediately stands out because a few goals there is, and more chances of there being a draw. So, um, yeah, I, I personally, it's a tentative bet. I don't have any massive fancy in this, but if I was to have a bet, it would be the draw, which is around three point six six. If I was to pick a side to win the game, I probably would side with Manchester United, just purely because they're 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 at home. I know that their the home results haven't been as, as good. The narrative is that they're not as good at home as away, but people are forgetting that away from home they are sensational. Yeah. They, they are, are different good. levels away from home. Twenty four away games in the Premier League unbeaten. Um so you can't really compare the home form to the away form in that sense. Um but the home process has been really strong from an XG standpoint. 
Um, 2.06 expected goals for 1.3 against. So really positive from that standpoint. And if Solskjaer, you know, if, if United, you know, the other thing you've got to factor in is if United get a really comfortable victory in the first leg against Roma on Thursday, does he then take this game more seriously ahead of a trip to Rome and, and maybe, you know, not so much play a second string in, in Rome, but at least rotate and um, and rest players in that game, mm. potentially. So a lot of things to factor in, but I'm setting, settling on the draw. Likewise, Jake, likewise. <laughs> Before we round off, so there are five featured games. Info goals, picks of the weekend, any of the kind of notable markets from other games, such as... Look, how are West Brom going to react to that crushing draw that effectively I think he's, he's, sending, he's sending them down, didn't it? They're actually playing on Monday against Wolves. Also on Monday is Burnley against West Ham. Sunday is uh, the one that we've missed out is Tottenham against Sheffield United and did reference it earlier on. Um, Palace against Man City, Brighton versus Leeds. Anything from any of those games, Jake, that you just think, you might as well have a look at that. Where you know to try and give somebody the edge, something that you've spotted, a little gap, maybe anything. Yeah, the I, I was contemplating um, a bet in the, the Palace City game, um, but again, as we keep saying, the these teams that are still in Europe, you've got to be very careful. Um, they've got a big game, big double header, aren't they, with PSG either side of this Palace game? Uh, the title's pretty much wrapped up as well. I was going to say, yeah. There's that to factor in as well, whereas some of the other teams we've been talking about have got that horrible limbo situation, haven't they, between going for a top six or a top four place. And so, so actually, and also Pep's got a massive squad. Like they've got, they've got a huge squad, some real quality as well. I mean, the bench is ridiculous, even to do play a second (laughs) string, isn't it? Uh, effectively, everything you've just said there is 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 what was going to make my argument, and the fact that Crystal Palace are rubbish. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the model's got Manchester City as a as a value bet just to win the game. Mm. And they're, they're staggeringly short. I mean, not staggeringly, expectedly short. One point three four to win the match, but um, Man City to win with a minus one and a half handicap at one point nine seven is something that caught my eye. We saw Chelsea go to Crystal Palace. Completely thumped them 4-1. And, and I can see City doing something very similar. So what we need for that bet to win is City to win by two goals or more. Um, you know, they have been considerably more low-scoring games involving City this season. But I can see them winning 2-0 and seeing this bet cash. Um, the only other ones that potentially caught my eye was um, West Brom against Wolves. Wolves were awful against Burnley, to put it bluntly. Um, they, they were picked apart pretty much at will. I, I, I do have a soft spot for Wolves because they've been kind to us the last few years, but I do think that there's potential for um, West Brom to do something. Um, whether you fancy getting West Brom on side winning, to win the game or on a handicap, I, I happily would go along with that. I think they've shown enough in recent weeks, especially in attack, that they can cause issues. Yeah. But they are throwing the kitchen sink, which means that they're leaving themselves vulnerable. Uh, and we know that Wolves are you know, among the best counter-attacking teams in the league. So, um, yeah, over two and a half was where I was looking at that. It's a bit of a long shot, 2.25 on Pinnacle. So you're getting a nice odds against Price. But, um, you know, if, if any recent performances are to go by for both teams, then this should have a real chance of landing. Great picks. Thank you very much, Jake. As always, Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal. And if you do want any more information about InfoGoal's model, you can head to www.infogoal.net. 
and it is brilliant. It always, uh, I always spend a bit too long on that website, probably a bit longer than I should, because it's very, very cool, very, very interesting. Also, as ever, a lot of the odds that we've been using and discussing have been on Pinnacle.com. You can follow Pinnacle on Twitter, at Pinnacle. All odds that we have been thrown out there on this podcast are subject to change, of course, from the time of recording. And remember, thanks for listening, but remember to gamble responsibly.